Welcome to Transition of Style, the podcast about fashion identities and how queer leaders are disrupting the fashion industry today. I'm your host, Rocio Sanchez. Feel free to use any pronouns for me. And I'm a digital marketer with a specialization in queer business and fashion. The LGBT community is no longer a footnote in the fashion industry. And today's guest is proof of that. I would like to welcome Rob Smith, CEO of the Fluid Project and Fluid Foundation, doing amazing stuff. How are you? Awesome. On a scale of one to 10, I'm a nine and a half. How about that? That's amazing. So I would love to just start out with, because before you started Fluid Project and all those things, you were you. My mission with this podcast is to really peel back the layers and talk about the people themselves and how they came into their own. So my first question to you is, how did you come into your own style right now? And how does that relate to how other people see you versus how you see yourself? It's funny because that's assuming I have style, which I'm not sure I do. I'm a mostly a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. I like sneakers. I dress up occasionally and I dress for like suits and events, but I also dress up in less traditional male clothes when I feel like I want to express my party side, my feminine side. I just have different ways of showing up and never one way, but whatever feels comfortable for me at the time, that's the beauty of fluidity, right? You don't have to wear the same thing every day. If something feels good for you some days and some days it's just like, I just need to paint my nails and put some of my makeup on and wear some sassy cutout top. And that's how I feel sometimes. Today I'm wearing a polo shirt and corduroy shorts. So it just depends who I am and how I feel. And that's my personal style. But the Fluid Project, if we pull it back to Fluid, less about me, more about Fluid, is really giving folks permission to be creative, to be explorative, to, to try different things that maybe they've never had the option before because a very, very binary construct in retail is this is where the men's section is, the women's section, and it tends to be feminine or masculine. The colors are very gendered. And there's really not a lot of space to move from you know one area to the other without some one from the gender police coding or checking you and saying, hey, you know, you're in the women's section. Well, maybe I want to be in the women's section. And maybe this is reflective of what I want to present myself as. So we opened up as the world's first gender-free store. So the first time that anyone has ever basically taken gendered clothing, gendered fashion, and threw it up and then said, okay, this is the dress section. This is the casual section. It was just so remarkable to see people walk in and go, what's this all about? And they walked out and they go, hmm, I get it. And almost everyone got it. Young people really got it. They were like, what's the big deal? Parents were like, wow, this is insane. And then lots of retailers who would come visit like Target and Nordstrom and all these other retailers would fly from around the world and check it out and, and just try to get their head around this, not a colorless, shapeless, boxy, oversized sweatshirt and sweatpant as being gender neutral, but something that was colorful and expressive and cropped and just had a point of view. So, Yeah, I think that your your personal story is interesting. We've previously talked about this. I would love to hear more about your connection with the multiple expressions, masculine, feminine. I believe the last time we spoke, you went on this journey to discover your ancestry. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, my journey started off in in an interesting way when it comes to style. This journey started at Burning Man. It started in the playa in Black Rock uh, City. So what happened is you show up and you, it's kind of fantastical. It's how you're 
I think your best expression, if you're able to dress this way every day, I think people would dress this way every day because it's just like, look at me, like I am the best form of myself or, or that could be, you could just be naked, you know, just whatever, however you feel, but it's, it's magnified. And what I found was that in with 75,000 people, really quickly people adapted to the social codes and then the, being allowed to be free in your expression in many ways and non-judgmental. So people were running into RV like the second day, like cis heteronormative men saying, can I borrow some of your tights you know, today? Can I wear your tutu? Can I, you pay my nails? Can you do my eyes? And to really have this liberation of like, wow, I can do this because we created a space that allowed people to do it. And, and they have to feel really good about themselves. Then they have to go back to corporate America into suits and their support groups. And it's just, it's really hard for people to leave that place. But I thought, how do I capture the essence of this? What happens at Burning Man and how do I bring it into the world? So I didn't know what it was. I just knew I was, had to quit my job and go backpacking around the world. And I went to Central America, South America, India, Nepal, Tibet, and finished on the reservation that my great-great-grandmother was born on. That's where I learned about Two Spirit, which is the parent company, LSC for the Salute Project is Two Spirit LLC, honoring my indigenous heritage. And in Peru, in the Amazon, I did about a month of ayahuasca. And I went in with an intention one day and said, what, I, what do I do with my life? And I wrote down on April 14th, 2017, consider opening a gender-free non-binary shopping environment. I wrote fluid in quotation marks and I opened March the next year. So less than like 11 months later. Yeah. So it's just, wow. it was just whispered into my ear by the universe, the plan, just to say, this is what you do. And so just taking basically my profession, which is retail working in corporate structures and my passion around social justice and putting them together to make a really unique and special brand. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that, that there are unique challenges to bridge the, the gap between those social justice values and bringing it over to corporate America, to that retail background that you have. My next question for you is that while you were building Fluid, even to, to this day, what has been like your biggest struggle as a leader with what you do? The biggest struggle, uh, I'd say first is no one wanted to invest in me because it was a really new idea, really unproven. It was a store. It was gender-free. It was one-third community space. So taking great real estate and turning it into a community space with bars and you remember it was like cafes and just a place to hang out. It was so as, as much about community as it was selling product and people just didn't get it. So I largely self-funded it by myself, which was incredibly taxing on my health, my husband, and my relationship. It was, it was tough, but we got through that and we're on the other side of that, I think now. But the other challenge was, I would say filling the store because it was hard to find brands that were at that time gender neutral, but we found some really cool indie brands and we made a lot ourselves. And the last would be navigating in a company, like going to Nordstrom or Urban Outfitters and saying, okay, so where does it go? And how do we not just put it on the store, but how does it go on the website? And how do I coach all of them and teach them how to create an all gender navigation? And how do I make sure that it doesn't say unisex? that it says whatever gender words we use, gender free, gender full, all gender, gender inclusive, but it's always a lift. Like if anyone's interested, it's always got to be a big lift. And then how do we show up in marketing? 
How do they use the right models? How do they use the right language, the communication and train the associates? So there is so much to do to sell the product into a traditional retailer. It gets everybody involved. Yeah, I can imagine. I was going to say that the fact that there is a physical aspect of it is quite different than all the other people that I'm talking to at the moment. So we have people who are just exclusively e-commerce. So you have this difference in that you have this physical space. If I recall correctly, there was a shutdown of the physical space during COVID, right? So how was transitioning in and out of that? Well, it shut down actually just before COVID. I would say we closed on January 31st, just before COVID. It broke my heart because that store was the soul of fluid. It, It was the heart and soul of fluid. It was something that you could walk in and feel community, see things that were interesting. There was a very tangible energy in that store and a a place of acceptance, regardless of your gender identity, sexual orientation. It was for everybody. You know, it was a place that all people could come together. And we had 250 events in two years. So you can imagine like this comedy night and, and panels. And it was just so beautiful. My plan was to open 13 of those around the world. That was my goal. And then the store closed. I was like, oh, okay, now what do I do? That was, that was a real reckoning. I had a huge debt and, and a nice idea, I thought. And then we started to pivot first to wholesale for pride assortments and that have been building from there. So it's not at all what I expected it to be, but it's exactly what it's supposed to be and doing some great things. So yeah, and it's going to keep growing. I can't even tell you where it's going to be in five years, but I'm excited to find out because I've got a plan, but I'm not sure it's going to, the brand's going to follow my plan. It's going to do its own thing, which is great. It's like raising a child. This is the child you kind of think you're going to raise and then they end up being this kid and you love them regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's really interesting to hear about how the unique challenges you had that it wasn't even necessarily because of COVID. It just happened before COVID anyway. I would love to know what kind of tips you might have for people who might want to go jump into that physical space and go from e-commerce to a physical space. So you mentioned the struggle was getting people to back you and you had to get it out of your own pocket. What would you say to people who are in that same position? Well, there's a couple different ways to do it. So we still had the marketplace, the store on a website. So we still have our brand and we carry other brands. So it has a, a similar feel. It just doesn't have the same energy for sure that the store had in the same kind of like, wow, I'm, I'm going to make a trip into I'm walking by the fluid store. I'm going to go check it out, you know, and see what's going on there and how nice the people were and just how good you felt when you walked in and when you left. If somebody is saying, hey, Rob, I want to open a store. What do you think? I would say... Don't find a big, so what is I found? I found it was like a 3,000 square foot store on Broadway, but I want to go big and I want people to go, like they couldn't miss it. They couldn't miss it on a corner street in Brooklyn. It had to be on that street for me to have the world say, hey, guess what? This is happening. And so that was important. I would say that there's ways to get help, have other people help you pay your rent. So could be that... It's multifunctional. So there's maybe a hair salon who's paying rent or like there could be a barbershop. There could be a nail salon. Brands could pay rent if they're in this space. I just did a profit share with them, but I never charged anyone for anything. I also think you could find sponsorships to host events at your space and say, hey, listen, my friends did this and they did very well. They said, if you're going to have a party at our event, it's $25,000. We'll provide the bartenders, the caterers, the chairs, the setup, the takedown. And they had it all like down to a science and they just charged $25,000. So 
like four of those a month pay for the rent or the mortgage. So there's different ways to approach it, not just a traditional space. But an amazing thing is to also use it as your photo studio. So think about if you want content, you use that store space, that physical space to create content. So you're not paying now for a photo studio. You can use your iPhone, so you're not paying for a photographer. You can do so much stuff at that physical space that it cuts down costs in other areas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's also your distribution center for your e-commerce sales. It's also your the place that you pick and pull from as opposed to paying another place. Yeah. Multitask. It's your studio. It's it's your store. It's- yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to add to that. I actually learned this from you last time we spoke was that there are grants out there and there's the amazing NGLCC, the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. That's right. That's right. The start out, there's NGLCC, there's the Gangels. So there are organizations that allocate money primarily to LGBTQ plus businesses. So they also offer services of how to do things as a startup to learn lessons from people who have been through it already. And you can always call me. You can always call Rob and say, hey, Rob, reach out to me on LinkedIn or whatever and say, how is this for you? My experience is my experience. It it doesn't mean it's going to be yours, but it certainly is helpful if I can help anybody avoid a pitfall or trip over something and lose somebody. I also lost... I think $20,000 because we weren't tracking the money going to the bank. And so $20,000 is feared. And there's just things that you, if you can teach somebody how to like not have that stuff happen, I'm happy to share it. Yeah. It's inevitable to learn the mistakes as you go, but if you can avoid it, avoid it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So I, I would love to know also about now that you've learned all these lessons and you're going forward and you have this plan and you have accepted that it may not go that way. I would love to know what trends you see in your industry, whether that's trends in the way people talk about your brand or gender-free brands online or just the investment capital, that side of things. The biggest trend that I love that I'm benefiting from is uh, since George Floyd died, since the BLM movement, corporations are saying, what can I do now? How can I do my part? And sometimes there's this pen that they have, and that's the only power they have to do something big. So they're looking for queer-owned businesses, Black-owned businesses, queer and Black-owned businesses. You know, So they're just trying to find manufacturing partners that they can buy from and do their part. So I found a huge willingness of people to try to work with us. And that's why I found a manufacturing partner who can manufacture it and ship it, because I can't do that. I don't have the money to like go buy a half a million units of t-shirts for Target or something like that. I can't do that, but they can. So we take a percentage of what we ship. So I don't create the overhead. I keep my overhead low and let them do it. And then it's called like a license or licensing agreement. So that's great. So companies want to do the right thing. Sometimes they can come across as very performative. So it's always a challenge. Sometimes I say no, and they don't like that. But I'm like, you know, listen, I don't like where you're donating money to. I don't like your position on any issues around anti-trans legislation or the way they don't support their employees. So I I say no, and that feels really good. And it's hard because I want the money, but I also don't want to look like a hypocrite. I have to have my values and my values are fluid values and the fluid community really wants us to stand up and do what's right. Of course, not everyone's going to agree with everything we do. Even just being in corporate America, almost feels like we've 
cross the line into the other side. But I'll tell you what, once we get our foot in the door, then we come in with our gender expansive training where we teach companies how to use more gender inclusive language, how to look at their policies for insurance for TGNC folks, how to start to tackle these systematic problems that sometimes government isn't facing, but corporations will. So I feel really powerful in those spaces. That's where I come from. I speak their language and we're doing a ton of business. I think we have like 40 businesses that we're working with this year that are really getting into the work. And then we also launched the Fluid Foundation. So it's a 501c3. The money goes towards BIPOC-led trans organizations across the country. So you think about something in New Orleans or something in Alabama, something, you know, all of these towns across the country, especially in the South, where the state government's not funding them. There's not a lot of people supporting them. And it tends to be the Trevor Project and HRC gets all the money for donations. I love those two organizations, but I'm taking big money, funneling it in and pushing it out in a gift versus a grant and just putting the money into the community, the people who really need it and are doing the grassroots organizing and work and saving lives. So that's, so that's what I get corporations to do once they sign up for Fluid. Yeah. It really speaks to the trend that I'm seeing, which is that more and more companies are realizing that they need to lead with values and not just with profits, right? So obviously there's a balancing act because there's a bottom line, but more and more companies, especially BIPOC-led companies, it's all about the values, like what really undergirds all of what you do. That speaks to you being able to say yes or no to certain partnerships. So I think that that's valuable information. It's something that, uh, gosh, it's it, it can be a, a challenge for some people because you're like, oh my God, I'm going to go to Macy's and they're a big monster. And sometimes you can't help until you're on the inside. So if you at least say, hey, listen, I don't love everything you're doing, but are you going to have an, an open ear and a, open to listen to some opportunities for you to prove? If they say yes, that might be worth it. And if it doesn't work, then you just pull out. But I think that corporations are really siding on in the large part, the better side of inclusion and belonging because it's more profitable. They'll do better business because of that. Yeah, I see. I see. I would love to know if you could just shout out any other queer-owned brands that you're loving right now. What are they doing? What are they up to? Oh, I mean, I'm just going to go to our website, some of the brands we carry. So I love Fang. I love Fang. This really cool stuff. I love Stuzo. They're both minority, like, you know, racially diverse, queer brands. I love Bianca Design. I think they're really fun on our website that I think are really cute and fun and nice. Please tell me, like, what's with Fluid right now? You said a lot of fun stuff is happening. So shout out anything that you would love to share. First and foremost, between PH by the Fluid Project, which is our diffusion label, and the Fluid Project will be in almost, I'm going to say about eight to 9,000 doors across the country. So all Sam's Club, all Targets, all Kohl's, all Macy's, all JCPenney, Nordstrom, Saxoff Fifth, like it just goes on and on and on. So fluid is going to be everywhere. A lot of it's for pride, but a lot of it's outside of pride. And that makes me feel really good. Our education and training is moving to more strategy work. So we're helping one company launch next month, a gender affirming undergarments collection, which will be accessible across the country at really affordable price points. I hope that comes out well. We're just educating companies. And then I'm hoping to raise 
a million dollars this year for the Fluid Foundation and make so many organizations happy and give them the support and the love they deserve and the communities that they serve because we want to focus on the most marginalized and the most vulnerable in the queer community, which includes trans women of color and homeless queer youth. Life expectancy of a trans woman of color is 35 years old in this country and 50% of homeless youth identify as LGBTQ. So, you know, trying to figure out how to get money in those spaces. New York's a sanctuary city. Yes, we want to support all of the wonderful organizations here, and we do. But we also know that somebody can't move from Charleston somewhere in Texas. It might take them a while. So where do they stop in between? We're working really hard with a lot of organizations in the South to give them the support they need. And then we launched Fluid, Fluid City and Trans Day Visibility, which is really fun. It was a virtual safe space for LGBTQ plus folks. And we hope to be doing more of those in a virtual space where anybody can show up, everybody's safe. Like the store was, come together and have conversation. And I'm super jazzed about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And of course, anything that you haven't shared or any new stuff that will be launching soon, where can people find the news? Accessories and maybe a few of the categories in the beginning of 2024. And I would say just always follow Fluid um, on Instagram. You know, that's probably our, the best place that we communicate. We have a great newsletter. So sign up for that. And if everybody could follow us, it's at The Fluid Project. And the website is thefluidproject.com. Yes. Thank you so much, Rob, for being here today. It was great to talk to you. And I'll see you next time. Rosie, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Transition of Style is brought to you by FC Podcasts a division of Fashion Consort. Learn more about how FC Podcasts can help you with podcasting from strategy and creation to production and marketing at fcpodcasts.com. That's fcpodcasts.com. Thank you, FC Podcasts, for making Transition of Style possible. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Transition of Style, After every episode, we get into a case study of our guests. I share with you three key takeaways from these business owners' brands, and you learn from it what you will. Whether you're a fellow entrepreneur or not, who knows, maybe these takeaways will help you out someday. Today, we learned from the CEO of The Fluid Project, Rob Smith, how important community is to building a brand. Before COVID, the physical storefront of the Fluid Project stood proudly in the NoHo neighborhood of Manhattan. It brought a lot of foot traffic to an already established e-commerce brand. It was the heart of the brand for a bit, having its own profile in the New York Times in 2018. A lot of business owners dream of having a physical space to foster community and to proudly call their own. Fluid had this, and then it didn't. So what can we learn from this case? The first thing we can learn from the Fluid Project is to not let the limitation of a physical storefront and the added requirements of capital for that stop you from providing your goods. Consider e-commerce or digital products first. Secondly, do not rely on the physical space to hold the entire essence of the brand. By having e-commerce and digital presence with a mix of in-person events, the presence stays strong. Fluid manages this mix with strong social media presence, firm digital storefront, and brand collaborations. Lastly, don't lose hope if your storefront closes. We can't predict the next pandemic that will close down businesses, but we can foster the community that will support us through hard times no matter what. 
The closing of a storefront is not the end of things. Just look at Fluid, still going strong to this day. That's all for this episode of Transition of Style and for the season. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast by just listening. Remember to give us a like and a rating on whatever podcast app you listen to. And for news on the next season of Transition of Style, please follow us at Transition of Style on Instagram. You can also sign up for the newsletter at transitionofstyle.com. Thank you so much for all the support and I will see you next season.